Good evening and welcome to Open Air and good afternoon, Ashwini. Can you hear me, Ashwini? Yes, good afternoon, Michael. Good afternoon, good afternoon. I have announcements here to kick us off. Join Sangha this coming Sunday, January 21st, for the kickoff to our 2024 practice year. Together we will explore where we've been, where we are, and where we're headed. The Buddhist journey to see into the heart of true nature began with encounters of an old person, a sick person, and a corpse. In a new email class with Sherry, we follow in the Buddhist footsteps as we embark on an in-depth exploration of aging, sickness, pain, and death. The class begins February 4th. And for these and other practice opportunities, visit livingcompassion.org. And a few reminders for tonight. If you'd like to get in the queue to talk with Ashwini, please press star six and then one to make a show. And a conversation on one topic, please. And about five minutes is great. Okay, Ashwini, I think we're ready here. Wonderful. First caller, you are now live on the air, and would you please introduce yourself? Hi, this is Justin in Vermont. Hey, Justin. It's uh, it's been a while since I've called in, so I'm 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 doing Q practice and trying to get a little more engaged. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, doing cue practice and getting more, it's a good way to get engaged. To get engaged. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So what are you practicing with? <clears throat> um, you know, I, I think the main thing I see is um, well, I am doing some sitting practice regularly in the morning and I've actually enlisted the help of a buddy. Um, mm-hmm. There just are really big gaps between checking in with Sangha and doing workshops and yeah, I think I'm getting talked out of um, being um, being in it. Uh-huh. If I'm following you, uh, the so I project you were part of the year-long retreat and therefore there was a structure which prompted you to show up every day and to connect with Sangha. And we're sort of in that, State before the, the, the year-long begins and the kickoff is just starting. And so you're finding it much more challenging to stay with formal practice opportunities because there isn't an accountability structure that you've signed up for. Yeah. Um, yeah. Actually, yeah. I didn't... Hmm. Having a I, little I, trouble with the phone, I think. Can you hear me? I could barely hear you. Okay. Um, now, now I didn't do the yet. year-long retreat. Uh huh. Yeah. So, yeah. Can you hear me now? Sorry, I can't. Uh, Michael, are you having difficulty hearing? A little bit. Um, I can mostly make it out what Justin's saying. Do you want to keep trying, Justin? Yeah, I, I think, unfortunately, it is on this end. Can you hear me? Well, that was clear when you said that, when you said it's yes. on this end. Yes, got it. I, I could hear you, too. Okay, Justin, go ahead. Yeah. Well, it's it's funny. I'm missing a bunch of, I'm missing a bunch of, I think, what's on your end. Um 
So maybe I'm just going to resolve to <laughs> not let technology <laughs> thwart my practice. But um, no, I, I, I did not do the year long, and I haven't called into the show in over over a year. And um, I have a very occasional recording and listening practice and tell myself that I'm going to listen to the show open air in podcast form, but mostly don't. So... Well, congratulations. Right, Justin, on not listening to being talked out of uh, getting in the queue today, right? Because that is uh, that that is really practice in a nutshell. I'm aware of what the voices are doing to me. I'm aware that they are constantly rooting for me to do the things that won't support me, and therefore I need support. The recognition that I can't. That this is not this is not a question of willpower, right? <laughs> it, it, it's yeah. truly a question of practice and recognizing uh-huh. how much support we need to go up against those voices. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that one more piece is that ego is, you know, is fine with me doing the occasional check-ins because it's just, uh, <laughs> it gets to later give, me a drubbing about like dropping off later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Anything that will make you feel bad. Yeah. yeah. Which is sort of why um, if we are doing a spiritual practice and we see these patterns, if we if we we cultivate that sincerity of practice, right? Of being a practitioner who wants uh, to save this human incarnation from that, uh, from those beatings. Because that's what prompts us to want to show up, to put ourselves in the queue, to sign up for the next thing, to, to ask for the support to sign up for the next thing. So getting a buddy is a good thing so that there's some accountability for you to sit every day. That's been a great thing. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I, I take your point about recognizing that I'm here now. So Yes, you're here now. Exactly. And you can say, okay, so what would be the one thing I could do that will give me a consistent structure for the next little while? Perhaps you could sign up for Keeping Commitment Buddies because then you'll have a way to check in with somebody in Sangha every day about a practice commitment that you choose to keep. That does sound like it would, it would uh, address the consistency. Yes, exactly. And you don't have to do it on your own, right? Because going up against the voices when they have you, when they can control you so easily, doesn't set you up for success. Mm. Yeah, I, I missed about half of that. <laughs> I said that, but they uh, you can know, we're, 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 yeah, we're told we should be able to do this, right? And then we're beaten up yeah. for not doing it. Yeah. And so, so what, I, what I said is that place of, uh, we, it's not fair to ask someone to go up against that system without support. Okay, I'm not sure I can hear Justin or Justin heard me, Michael. Maybe we need to... Uh, Get another caller on? Yeah. Justin, if you um, want to call in uh, later under different technology, maybe we could try again. I think that's probably a good idea. It's, 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 it's a little rough. Very good. I, I, will, uh, I will get back to you guys. Thanks very much for Wonderful. having me. 
Thank you, Justin. Thanks, Justin. Thank you. Okay, Ashwini, and I'm going to bring on our next caller here. Next caller, you are now live on the air, and would you please introduce yourself? Hi, Ashwini and Michael. This is Greta. Hey, Hey, Greta. Greta. Hi. Um, Well, it's still the new year, so I'm uh, trying to work with my um, response to our New Year's retreat and uh, re-establish my practice. And um, it's been uh, very welcoming. I just, you know, it's like my heart is welcoming to me to get in touch again. Uh-huh. So it is, the ha- it, I, Greta, again, I don't know what, what's going on, Michael, but I'm having a little bit of difficulty hearing you, Greta. So all I, what I heard was it's the new year, and you're still working with the New Year's retreat uh, invitation to get in touch with your practice. Yes, my experience at the New Year's retreat and um, just, you know, reconnecting by uh, recording and listening and other ways that listening to open air, calling into open air, just doing those things that um, go up against a in the internal conversation to um, sort of ground, be more in the ground of practice or grounded in practice. Yes, yes. So we accept the invitation to be much more grounded in practice. Okay, so Mike, Michael, I don't know if you can hear me, but I just lost Ashwini to underwater. Yes, I just lost Ashwini also. Okay. The, uh, can you hear me now, Michael? I, we can hear you now. You were you were halfway through a sentence and then you went away. Oh, okay. So I heard to yes, I accept the invitation to reestablish the ground of practice. Yes. What I was ref- I was just reflecting that, Greta. I'm so sorry. Okay. Let's 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 do this again. I heard I heard you say how the um, the inv- you were accepting the invitation. To, uh, to ground yourself in practice by doing the, the things that do that, right? Like recording yes. and listening and listening to radio shows. Yeah, got it. Exactly, exactly. And um, what I see in that is those, those actions or activities are, quote, unquote, <laughs> more real my experience of those is real and, as we say, grounded as opposed to any conversation that conditioned mind wants to have about anything, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the, the activity itself is much more grounding than, and more real, and the word you use is real, than any conversation in conditioned mind or any conversation that, that conditioning wants to have, right? And it's, yes. and it's so true because it is. And I project it's because we're so present while we're, while we're recording and listening or listening to uh, 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 an archive. There's such yes. a level of presence involved. Yes, yes. And um, what I've noticed about it is, um, you know, some uh, circumstances in life cause me to um, go to old conditioned patterns and beliefs and assumptions. And if I test that, if you will, against my experience of practice and practicing with the circumstances, it's a very different outcome. There's a very different um, response when I'm communicating with life. And I really know, I know that difference from years of practice. And this really just, it it's, it's affirms the reason we practice, right? To be, mm-hmm. to be grounded in that and to, to see the truth of what life offers as opposed to mm-hmm. conversation. And Greta, would you give us an example? Yeah, yeah. The, um, 
So I have some health things going on. And I was heading down a path of, you know, a specific treatment plan. Mm-hmm. And this, this morning, I woke up to a question of, so the, the, the issue is my eyesight or my hearing. Those are the potential trade-offs. And the reason I asked, the reason I woke up to the question is I've been recording and listening or listening to archives and I see how important communication in through listening is to my practice. Mm-hmm. So that was, you know, it wasn't like a conscious thought. It was something that dropped in when I awoke. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was really, I don't know that there's a right answer. It was really just asking a question that I was not, I had not at that point really asked myself because mm-hmm. I've listened to countless hours in my car or in, you know, at home where I was just headphones on listening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I see so so many things in what you're saying, right, Greta. I think that's a little, in the sense of as I am uh, practicing, grounding myself in practice, which is recording and listening or listening to the archive, what I'm actually doing is, it, is redirecting the attention to life, mm-hmm. so, that life so that I'm open to life and life can communicate with me. So wh- when we're doing those activities, we start to live in the process of, of calibrating to the intelligence that's animating us, which is what I think you're, you're pointing us to. Mm-hmm. So as I listen to, it's not as I'm listening to this, and I'm in the questions that I have about whatever circumstances I'm in are, are fed into the same process. And so I could go to bed and wake up to a, a question or, a cl- or clarity around something that I'm looking at that arrives from that, from that intelligence rather than just referencing conditioned mind, which would never actually even reveal that I had that question. Yes. Yes, exactly so. And and as you just said, you know, as we calibrate, as we redirect our attention, that becomes, I mean, that's been our um, practice for a long time where we're the, the needle in the haystack, so to speak, and we're quivering to the, um, as a magnet would, and that's the that's the that's our training that's our practice and um i guess the other sort of good thing about re reestablishing reawakening reconnecting with practice is all of those years of training are not lost right that's years of training so mm-hmm. we're just continuing to train and to um awaken the muscle memory and calibrate and reconnect mm-hmm. and it's it's all there and we know then we know the experience of that it's not a surprise that's right i mean and i think there's some some famous uh quote that also says that nothing that you do in spiritual practice is in vain right so yes th- that the training that you're talking about it stands us in good stead when we attempt to deepen that training when we come back to and take up the threads of the formal practices that are part of that training, then then we're we're, we're basically just using the existing sort of um, uh, skill or or facility to to go further, to deepen, to recalibrate, and it becomes it's still accessible. It becomes available, and that, as you said, is a reason to practice, right? If you keep practicing, you're going to get better at what you practice at, which is redirecting that attention to the intelligence and having the intelligence be able to communicate to you in every aspect of your life. Yes, yes. And as you said, if if nothing we do is counter to practice or, out, you know, we're never out of service to practice, then the time away is perhaps as valuable as the time here. It's just 
you know, we don't know it when we're doing it. We just know it when we know it. Uh, okay. I I didn't hear what Greta said. So, Greta, would okay. you say that again? <laughs> yes. And uh, what I said was that um, if, as you pointed to in this last interchange, that there's nothing that's really out of service, we're never really out of our practice, then time away can be just as valuable as the time in practice. I mean, if they're, if they're, we're not really saying that there is such a thing. But I'm, all I'm trying to say is we learn what we learn or we see what we see when we see it. And if, if I took some time off and now I'm back and I can see where I was and I can see where I am, that's part of kind of reestablishing the year's practice. Mm. Yeah, it goes back to what we were talking to Justin about, right? Yes. I'm here now and I see what I see and my desire to connect to the practice is what is relevant, right? Yes. I see all the benefits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and no need to spend a lot of time in regrets and recriminations or what ifs. It's just I'm here now and that's, that's our opportunity to practice with that. Yeah, there's no no need ever to to waste time in regrets and recriminations. It's just listening to the conversation. Because I'm I'm my practice is calibrating to the intelligence that animates, right? Exactly. So thank you for taking my call. Thanks, Greta. Thank you. Thanks for joining us, Greta. And uh, Ashwini, that's so wonderful that uh, I'm here now, and that's all that matters. It's mm-hmm. fabulous. Ashwini, did you want to call back in and see if that helps with you? Yeah, let, let, me, let me do that. Let me do okay. that. Okay, yep. Go ahead. Ashwini, can you hear me okay? I am hearing you loud and clear, Michael. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you now. Okay, good. Great. All right, let's try our next caller here. Next caller, you are now live on the air, and would you please introduce yourself? Sure, this is Brad in Maryland. Hey, Brad. Hi there. Um, I'm giving you guys a call because I have been going through an incredibly hard time since the end of about uh, the Christmas holiday. Um, It seems that even with regular practice that I was still waking up in the middle of the night, uh, it may be 3, 3.15 in the morning, being constant just being identified as I wake up and finding having the experience of still listening to the recorder all night and waking up and still hearing it that I can still be identified while hearing that message come to me and then as the week progressed it seemed to get worse and worse and worse and I was just really it was like the screw tape letters times 20 about everything that I was doing at that point in my life, even with my consistent practice. Um, some of my external circumstances are that I have my children half the time. And it got so bad one day when my dad picked me up for lunch, I was just a nervous wreck and I was in tears. And I decided to call the psychiatrist that I see for a medication and they put me on another one. And that was something I vowed that I wouldn't do again with practice. So there was kind of a back and forth about that. And I did begin to take it. I can't really tell if it helps so far. So then I try not to take it or if I am going to take it. But beyond that, I'm still in this rut of working from home three days a week. The other two days I go into work and it's, I'm not sure if it was Alan Watts who talked about if you draw a line in front of a chicken's beak that it will just put its beak in there and keep going along. It seems that <clears throat> there is such a habit to, to ruminate and to indulge those bad thoughts that that is such a familiar thing at the same time that is making me suicidal when that happens. And... Ultimately, I know it's not what I want to do, but I am so heavily 
identified. So, Brad, a couple of things. What does it mean when you say you're so heavily identified? That means that I am believing the voices that are telling me that my future is fatalistic, that I'm identified with a substantial amount of fear I haven't felt until since I've been divorced again in terms of... I notice that when I'm identified and when ego tries to get me with fear, it will, it will try to have me ruminate over something that I cannot find an answer for in the moment. You know, it will say something like, oh my God, you know, what if this happens in the future? Well, that's the future, you know, but as long as it can uh, hang on, scare hang me. Hang on, Brad. Sure. Yeah, but so, so let, me, let me make sure that I'm tracking because mm-hmm. are you having the experience as you go along, say, of, of being afraid mm-hmm. or are you watching yourself believing that you're afraid and therefore the narrative is that you're identified. So when you wake up in the middle of the night, is it uh, sensations of something in your body and then you notice that you're thinking about, that your thoughts are related to something in the future? Well, yeah, it's some of that. I mean, if, if, there, if a recording's not going on, those things can be there. But I also notice that in my recording and listening practice, there are times where I can be identified and still listening to the message, and I'm still identified. Yeah, that's, I, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm trying to understand. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if your attention is on the – so what kind of messages do you have on your recording? Oh, boy, you know, I'm here with you. It's going to be all right. I mean, I've really gone back to the the R&L website recently to start to put a greatest hits together of the ones that I like to hear um, to remind Uh me of, you know, where to focus my attention. And if I could just summarize real quick. So what happens now is I seem that, I wake up heavily depressed, identified, whatever, in the morning. It's really habitual if I'm sitting around this house that, again, my beak will go in the groove and I'll start listening to the stuff and I'll get sucked into it. And, you know, but again, today, I probably listened to the mantra, I choose unconditional love and acceptance for about three hours straight, you know, and finally... I'm in a totally different perspective now. And it seems that I always notice that later in the day, I do not feel as bad for whatever reason. Uh huh. Is it because your attention shifts? Yes, it definitely is. I think there's some of that, and maybe there's some of it, maybe in some way of realizing I'm going to go to bed for a little bit and I'm not going to be conscious. <laughs> um, uh huh. Yeah, and which is where, where you relax your vigilance and it gets you again, right? But yeah. That, that's a, that, so there's so many things about it, right, Brad? That, I mean, if you've been, if, you've, if you notice a pattern, then there is a, some insight that, it, that it's the pattern that needs to, that you, that you might want to play with in your practice. Right? Mm-hmm. So I, I would say, I don't know, I, I mean, if we were in that situation where we'd ask everyone in a room, do you wake up into conditioning? I think a lot of people would say yes. Uh, and that actually it takes, it to me, for me at least in my practice, I do wake up into, into conditioned mind a lot because it has the ability to work on you at some point because I'm not practicing with it when I'm asleep, Right? So I, I actually know that it, it, it's, it's, it's interesting. I know that, that the first thing I want to do when I wake up is to, to remind myself of all of those places where I want my attention to be as a practice of not letting the conditioned process ride, out, ride itself out, right? Mm-hmm. So it sounds like you're listening to recording all night as a way not to wake, as a way not to have uh, Brad wake up into a terrified place, right? So 
the, the recording is going to prevent that. Now, what, what you're noticing is that the depression still hits. So if you're paying attention to how the attention keeps going to and being sucked into those thoughts, do you have a sense of what you might attend to that would support you as that process happens? I don't, but I'm very receptive to whatever you have to say because I will tell you that if I get out, if my attention is elsewhere, you know, this is one of the recordings that I made. It was like a 20-minute recording about the fact that there's nothing wrong with you because when your attention is elsewhere, yes, nothing's wrong. Yes, yes. Okay, so let's, I mean, I'm just going to throw something out there just sure. for, the, for the sake of um, looking at it, right? So if the pattern is you wake up and then uh, you, you walk to your kitchen and you basically make a cup of coffee, and that is the routine that you do. And, and what you're pointing to is because I'm repeating, I'm, I'm in a repetitive cycle, the cycle is associated with the repetitive thoughts. Now I have to break the repetition of thoughts and the repetition of the cycle. But as you go about your day, as you move, as you interact, as you get involved in your work, as you have conversation, the circumstances assisting you to redirect your attention. So the question then becomes, what can you, within quotes, do differently that allows you to redirect your attention just as effectively when you get out of bed as during the day? Well, one thing that I have noticed, just as my observation, is that I wake up and then I count the breath. But there is something about lying horizontal in bed with my eyes closed that's even harder to keep on presence than it is when I'm facing the wall for some reason. I don't know why that is. That's just my experience. And I'm not... Well, you know, Sherry would say that it's very, very hard to redirect the attention and count the breath, even if you've practiced for a really, really long time. That's why we, we record we actively pick up the recorder and talk about what's going on. So you pick up the recorder, lie down horizontally in the bed and say, I'm having a difficult time counting the breath. So as I'm counting my breath, I'm going to count the breath, inhale, exhale. Now, now you're act, you have a lot more energy that is going towards redirecting the attention ah. than simply the mental energy trying to do that gotcha. while it's coming. Right. You're laying laying out the process into the recorder. That's right. And so maybe you get out of bed and go sit in the wall, go sit in front of the wall and count your breath for 20 minutes. Yeah. Uh, Because what what it sounds like is, so two things, this this is very important, right? This shows how we can use the insights that arrive to us in our training to our benefit, to our advantage. Because you're very clear about the fact that redirecting attention is really, really assisting you. And as you go about your day, the more you redirect the attention, the less depressed you are. And so it seems like it's a very, it's a very contained problem for now that it happens in the morning, that it happens despite listening to recordings all night. And so there's, a, there's observation of the process that ego is using to control you. So use that insight in order to turn it around. And part of what I heard you say there is you have to provide more energy of a redirective attention than you are currently. Yeah. And part of depression is to take that life force away from you, right? The, the, that, the, that the weight of the voices is depressing the life force to the point of apathy. You can't get out of bed. You cannot do, you, you know, life yeah. is not worth living, yep. right? And so what you're attempting to do is to counter the counter that the intensity or the weight of the voices, but perhaps the way you're doing that is not sufficient energy, so I don't know, if you get out of bed instead of lying, lying in bed and counting your breath, do jumping jacks and count your breath. 
so that there's a lot more life force, that the redirect has a lot more energy. Yeah. Um, another thing that a friend that's not a practitioner mentioned to me is he said he notices this pattern of when my kids go back to their mom after I've spent five to seven days parenting on my own of how exhausted I am. And he said that he thinks that that really depletes me. He says because he can see this pattern of me getting in these ruts, you know, when they go back with her. And a thing that he suggested, which I thought was very zen, was he said, you know, get your ass out of the house this weekend. Wherever you go, make sure you're not just sitting there thinking, you know. And well, on a process level, that, that seems like an important insight because what practice would say is, you don't ever want to be left alone with conditioned mind oh, when boy. you have depleted energy reserves. Yeah. And if, if you are noticing that pattern, then it's possible to support yourself in that process of uh, not being alone with conditioned mind in a structure that's helpful and supportive, right? Yeah. So if you know you're going to have your kids for the next seven days, and at the end of those seven days, you're going to be exhausted, what can That's you do that right you now, set up before, yeah. before you pick them up that's gotcha. already set up for you to, to catch you on the other side? Gotcha. Right? It might be, I don't know, you go to yoga class or <laughs> whatever it is that takes care of you, right? Mm -hmm. That is that there's uh, uh, some place where there's a meal wait, a hot meal waiting and uh, all you have to do is, you go get a massage, whatever it is that is predefined that, that will assist you, that will take care of you at the end of that cycle. Yeah. Yeah, usually it's so exercise. Okay. Um, but the first, the first night usually after they've gone, I'm usually still kind of just frazzled, you know. So a lot of times it's, it's hard to to exercise that night, but still, um, I think right. what you're saying is incredibly valid, that it's find the structure to support myself after they leave. Exactly, mm -hmm. because you, you, you know you're depleted energetically, you know you're vulnerable to the voices, so what can you put in place that supports you to have a different experience? Gotcha. Not, as you said, do the same thing that, uh, whatever the, 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 the chicken's beak and the line analogy was, right? I tend to just do the same thing over and over again, and why would I have a, why why would I expect a different result? Yeah. But I don't have the energy to change that at the end of the cycle. So the the thing that condition the conditioning won't allow me to do is to set it up the next time so that there is a change of experience. And if you don't know yeah. what that is, you can sit down and have a two-handed you know, do a, a interview, Brad, and say. What would take care of you at the end of seven days? Like, what would your ideal thing be? What can I do for you that would assist you to have a completely taken care of experience after you've spent seven days with your kids parenting? Would you yeah. like food to be brought in? Would you like, you know, to spend the evening with a friend? Would, what, 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 what would take care of you? Yeah. Yeah, good call. Well, I'll have to look into that further. Um, but again... Yes, and, and Brad, something dropped in. I remember Sherry talking to me about how she was training at the monastery and that how her teacher's, teacher, because of her depression, would, would have her set her alarm every two hours in the middle of the night, mm -hmm. get up, and then go back to sleep again as a way to interrupt whatever is the cycle that's going on that we wake up into depression. Oh, wow. So, again, just, just to look at, you don't have to be in bed for eight hours and wake up depressed, right? We, yeah. You could get up every two hours, meditate for 30 minutes, and then, uh, you, you know, do a couple of jumping jacks and lie down again. You, can, you don't have to be subject to the same pattern in, in, it, that's under your purview, right? You might not be able to change, the, change when you have your kids over, but you could certainly change the way that you are in your own space so that you're not victimized by 
I want to mention one quick thing about that. The ego place. Mm-hmm. Always had a hard time with clutter and organization. So the voices always beat me up about the fact that I have various stuff just laid about. You know, I'm not a hoarder. I'm just saying, you know, occasionally if I'm wearing the same thing, I'll put it on the back of a chair. So I noticed the other night that I went through the conscious effort of making sure that I wouldn't wake up to have the voices say to me, oh, you see, you left your stuff on the chair again. And it was very interesting because I took the stuff and I put it away. So that night, ego tries to land to me about the stuff on the chair again, much like when you start keeping a commitment and the conditioning still wants to land to you about what you're not doing and you've done it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It didn't know what it to has. do. You know? That's right. That's exactly right. And so that's another interesting insight, right? Yeah. That you do, you basically put it away. But not because you're afraid of a beating. Well, you could start there. But eventually because you want to put, if, if you're the kind of person who doesn't like clutter, then it takes care, you could say that it takes care of you to put things away. Then that's the thing you prioritize. Now, yeah. there, sometimes you can't, you can't do that because you're surviving your circumstances, at which point you also want to train not to indulge a beating just because you, you didn't put it away. Yeah, right? I think but that was just... But if it's available just, yeah. for you to put it away, then, then you do. Yeah. I think in that moment, it was just the insight that I was being depressed by the same environment in a way. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it was a yes. way of like stopping that on a very minute level that it was funny because yes. I, I could tell conditioning wanted to lay into me again. I'm like, oh, look, it's different. So anyway. Yes, yes exactly. Exactly. That is the process of encouragement. You know? that we, you don't have to survive the voices in the you can change up the environment yeah yeah so i think i'll practice it again tonight anyway excellent all right uh, thank you Jumping very much for your time maybe. you know mm-hmm. it, it's been bumpy but i can't thank you enough for for uh for what you guys do because um mm-hmm. god it's just so in line with what i struggle with and everyone else that I hear here, it's the same thing. And that is so comforting to realize mm-hmm. I'm not alone with all of this. So mm-hmm. I've signed up for, mm-hmm. for the email class and I'll sign up for the uh, commitment buddies, signed up for everything. And I look forward to the annual retreat starting up again soon too, because mm-hmm. being alone with ego is, uh, you know, that's another one that's not fun. So <laughs> <laughs> No, not at all. Not at all. Okay. Yeah. Thank you very Keep much. Keep in touch, Brad. Let us, right. let us know you, how man. you're doing. You got it. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Thanks for joining us, Brad. And I just want to hear what I got from that conversation is that I want to do everything in my power to save the one human being who's suffering I know so well. That's the commitment yeah. I want to make. Yeah. It, it's, there's such heroism in that, right? It's incredible. Mm-hmm. It's just so inspiring and courageous yeah. to me yeah. to uh, save that one human being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we have another caller here. Next caller, you are Ooh. now live on the air. And would you please introduce yourself? Hello, Michael. This is Kim calling from Vashon. Hey, Kim. Hey, um, well, I have a couple. I have a question that might be able to be kind of two questions put together. Um, I'm very curious about A-B testing. Um, I was not able to come this summer. And I am also working with the workshop with my mother, who has dementia and is living up the street, and I'm her primary caregiver. And I recall you saying that you have had experience with the same um, workshop, <laughs> and I'm wondering if there's a way to combine the A/B testing. I don't, I don't, I, I'm not exactly sure what it is with with strategies um, to help me um, be kind to my mother, because that's what I would like yeah, to do. Say <laughs> a little bit more about being kind to your mother, Kim. Are you having difficulty doing that? Uh, sometimes I am. Um, mm-hmm. I that I do not have a choice about seeing. Her. You know, I don't. I don't have a choice about seeing her. I look. First of all, bottom line, I love her. 
Um, and dementia makes it really hard to um, remember that for myself because uh -huh. um, there's a real, there's a thick layer between who she is now and who she was, and the mother that she was, and who she is now. And I mean, yeah, every call I've been on for the last <laughs> whatever, six months, she's almost been here a year, has been about this because this is a major, it's a retreat, not a workshop, I guess. <laughs> okay. So so, let, so I'm just going to answer your question about the A-B testing. So you basically um, interact with your mother every day. Yeah. And give me a situation that happens where, give me some situation that happens which makes you feel bad or makes you feel like you need to be different or makes you not kind. Yeah. Um, let's see. So I see her every morning at 6.30 in the morning and I take her dog out to do his business. And, um, and then I come back and I tell her, uh, I give her the schedule of her day. And um, often I have a caregiver in the middle of the day that comes and she doesn't want caregivers even though she needs a caregiver because she needs help. Um, remember, you know, she needs help during the day and I can't be there because um, I'm working. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so she gets mad at me. I don't need a caregiver, you know, and I'm like, and I, I've learned to just kind of go, okay, you know, and, and I mean, I guess I'm not being unkind as unkind anymore, but, you know, she wants to live with me. Okay, let's, this is a big one. She wants to live with me in my house and I, I I feel unkind when I say that that that's not possible right now. Mm -hmm. That's sort of the bigger example. Uh-huh. So that's an interesting one, right, mm -hmm. uh, Kim, because you're not that's not that's listening to a conversation that comes in that that tortures you about whether or not there's there's something wrong with you, Kim, that you don't want your mom to listen to live in your house. Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I mean, it's a it's a it's a a little stretch for an A/B testing. But the next time yeah. that the voice comes in uh, comes in, you could. So this is the this is the principle, right? If the voice comes in and says, "Kim, you're really really horrible for not wanting your mom to live in the house," you go, "Okay." And the next time the voice comes in and says that, you go, "Well, I, you, you basically." For anything, you have two different responses that you're testing out. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's what A-B tests. I mean, that, it's basically to look at what happens right. uh, to, your, to whatever beliefs, assumptions, suffering, whatever, based mm -hmm. on mm -hmm. practicing differently with the same thing. I get it. Okay. Okay, yeah. I could see application for that with my yeah. mom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There are some things, it's like being, it's a scientific method, basically, right? <laughs> exactly, it is. It is exactly right. that. Mm -hmm. so, so, yeah. The thing about it, dementia is that sometimes something will work for a while, and then all of a sudden it doesn't work anymore, and then I guess you just retool at that point. You do another A-B test. You try... It's a creative process. Yes. Uh, I'm not sure about how to apply the A-B test, testing to, to that. Most often, so uh, let me give you a simple example, right? Okay, so thank you. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, I don't know if I should drink green tea or coffee in the morning. Okay. So, right, uh, mm -hmm. or whether or not I uh, should do X or Y. You know, and so sometimes we would say on Mondays, so that what you don't want to be is in a conversation and conditioned mind about something, right? Mm -hmm. So if it's giving you these multiple choices, you just decide on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I'm going to do A. On mm -hmm. Tuesday and Thursday, I'm going to do B. Mm -hmm. And so there's no discussion. There's no, no indulging a conversation about what you're going to do. You've okay. already decided and put all those options out and predetermined it 
and then you're just going to watch. Okay. Okay. I think I can come up with some application with how I, mm-hmm. I mean, because I get lots of opportunities <laughs> to interact. Yes, but the, but the, the thing that is interesting to me about this is that the reason why I don't think A-B testing is applicable to this to the specific situation that you just brought up is if there's a voice in your head that is telling you that you are being unkind by not uh, letting your mom stay with you, Mm -hmm. then you just don't need to listen to that voice. There's no way to be testing about that. Got it. Just the conversation in the bud and go, well, I'm not having that conversation about whether I'm unkind or not. Right. Okay. Right? I'm just, yeah. my mom's in the, in the home. I, that's the choice I make. I'm not going to listen to any conversation about it. And right. I'm going to do my best to show up, show up with her. And that's it. Right. Okay. Right? Okay. Yeah. And, of course, you know, the voice wants me to feel guilty or, you know, well, she, you know, on and on. And, um, and that, yes. that's, well, yeah, that, that's where the kindness. Yes. And so that's another one of those uh, I'm not going to be. I'm not going to feel guilty. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's a meaning that I'm not going to indulge a conversation about feeling guilty. Right. Because it's what, 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 there's. It's just a waste of energy, time, space, and everything else. Right. Right. Mhm. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah. All right. Thank you. And and oh. Kim, I would say, I don't know the conversation you started out with is that she's not the person she was. And mm-hmm. the answer to that is yes, she isn't. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm, I need to relate to her the way she is, not the way she was. Right, right. But, but the, Which is difficult. Yeah. It is I mean, because... It is, it is yeah. difficult. Yeah. It's, pain, it's, it's sad. It makes me sad. It's sad because I miss, I miss who she was, but she's not that. And as Sherry once said to me, well, neither are you. I'm not. I'm not who I was either. And, yes. You know. And so it's it's true. It's 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 ego's way of just continuing the conversation. I think. That's right. Because there's two ways you can separate that. Right. Mm-hmm. You can deal with whatever emotions that that are going on for you mm-hmm. about that, about mm-hmm. missing your mom or whatever else, and that's mm-hmm. one process. The process of relating to this person who she is. Is another process. Yes. You can be you can be with the situation. Yeah. And that is the practice of being with the situation exactly as it is, not indulging a conversation about your sadness because that makes it about you, right? You can yes. deal with what's going on for you in your own time on your recorder. Yeah. And then you can go out and be with your mom and be fully present with who she is. Yeah. That's that's very good guidance. That's very helpful. Thank you. It's like taking the dog out, right? The same love and affection that you have to take that dog out every morning is the same <laughs> love that is available to, to give your mom a schedule, to be, be yeah. patient for those three minutes to say, yeah, I know you don't want this, mom, just like you would say to a kid or a dog, right. I don't want to, you don't want this right now, but that's what we've got. Right. Right. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Gosho. Thanks for joining us, Kim. And Ashwini, I think we have time for one more caller here. Okay. Next caller, you are now live on the air, and would you please introduce yourself? Hi, this is Bob in San Francisco. Hey, Bob. Hey, Bob. Hey, um, Well, I've been sitting here. I kind of just was doing key practice, and I was kind of looking at what I wanted to look at. And I think what I've what I've been working with over maybe the past year is kind of really leaning into just letting life lead above anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're a little bit underwater for me, Bob. But what I heard you say was working on letting life lead. Yeah, exactly. Is that better? Mm-hmm. Yeah, much better. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, because I, I've just been, uh, I mean, the voices were just really loud last year, <laughs> and, uh-huh. which was really great because it was just this opportunity. It's like, 
I just had just a moment by moment experience, just like, you know, sitting and facing the wall of like, there's nothing going on. You know, there's nothing that's, that's, you know, in life that's, that's, that this is, that's, that's bringing this in. It's just, there's no content that's making this happen. It's just, you know, conditioning, just yammering, you mean, loudly and constantly. And so the more I saw that, the more I just, you know, really, you know, I kept looking at, you know, you know, the, the day of no self-hate, and I was really trying to make it a year of no self-hate, and, and certainly it wasn't a year of no self-hate, but it was a commitment to, you know, as much as possible when, you know, I recognized the voices, when I recognized I was identified or in some conversation, just drop it. Don't try and figure it out. Don't try and be the right person. Don't try and fix anything. Just get back here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that's an interesting one, right, Bob? Because I, I remember you saying how uh, how how there was such a clarity about the imag the imaginary nature of those voices, and it's a sheen. Mm-hmm. When you're sitting in front of a white wall, there's nothing going on, and yet there is such a level of drama that it's attempting to to uh, manufacture. And it's only when you're sitting in front of that white wall can you actually get that it's, it's attempting to manufacture something. So it sounds like a parallel process where you can see that there's no content that is causing that to happen, but it, but it is happening. And therefore, the only thing you can do is to redirect the attention, just to drop it, not believe it every time you see it. Yeah, and the fascinating thing for me has been that, like, you know, because of all the practice that I've done and all the practice that's been offered that, you know, there's nothing but content. This is all, you know, there's there's just a ton of content in life. There's a ton of content that was going on in my life, but being able to discern that it isn't the content that's driving this, right? It's Mm -hmm. only conditioning wanting my attention because, Mm -hmm. you know, also seeing over years of practice, it's like, you know, when when I'm not paying attention, I can believe that I really conditioning wants some particular outcome, you know, me to be to some particular way, some content to turn out some particular way, you know. But with all the practice, it's like you know, conditioning is the only one who needs a particular outcome, and even that, it doesn't really want it. It just wants me to believe I want it, right? Uh-huh. And uh-huh. <laughs> you know, and yeah. so you know, being able to see that, and it's like. You know, if I'm here, it doesn't matter what the content is. It doesn't matter how the content is going. I'm just more available to be here for it. Mm-hmm. That's right. It, you know, it's such a nuanced place that you're pointing to, right, Bob? Because the, the thing is, it's not that there is no content. It's just that the content is what the content is. So without that voice making it, making you or the content wrong, the content is simply the content. And if it's if the attention is not on what's making the content wrong, then there's just simply the ability to be here for the content as the content is. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and then from there, what's become really clear is like, well, if, if there's something going on with the content, right? So like if I have a project and there is an outcome I want for that project, right? Or if there's some communication or some relationship that that as much as you know you know I'm invested in in showing up for that content if it doesn't turn out a particular way that's okay you know no matter what it is that's right it has to be because that's how it turned out exactly yeah yeah and I love so much about I love that about the practice about Zen in general it's like well how could it be wrong because it is you know, mm-hmm. so if if yeah. if I'm struggling, if someone in my life is struggling, if some project goes awry, you know, it's like, well, I, I can fight against that, but it's happening or it happened. There's nothing to be done about it other than to be there for what, what is actually there right now. Yeah. Or as we say in a non-separate reality, it is what, what is. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's not even that you are in relationship to it or you're – you, I mean, you don't exist either. So it's all just one thing, right? It's so hard to put in words. Yeah. But it's a flow. It's just a flow. That's what's happening. 
Yeah, because if I'm if I am here with life, well, there isn't an I, right? I can't even say that. It's yeah. like, That's you know, right. there's I, you know, all I'm doing is directing the attention. That's you know, right. and well, well, from what there, what you can say is your attention is not on the conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because right. that's the that's the only thing we can say about it. Because then here <laughs> I'm here for everything else, whatever that exactly. that equivalent is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I see we're getting past our time here, so I want to let you all go. But I really appreciate that and the opportunity to share. Thank you, Bob. All right. Thank you. Happy. Thanks for joining us, Bob. And thank you, Ashwini, and thank you, everyone, for another great open air. Thanks, Michael. Go happy. Thank you. Go happy.